Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome back to another webulous episode of Our Odd Pod Podcast. A podcast dedicated to the odd, the macabre, and everything in between. And everything in between, including my chair sinking lower as I speak. <laughs> what did you call it? Webulous? Webulous. Huh. Is this not a word that you are familiar with? No. The webulous world of Richard Scary. Is that a thing? No, that's the small world. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, hi, welcome back. Hello. That's all I got. Oh, yeah? Uh, if you're keeping count, this is episode 46, like full episode 46. I think there was yeah. some weird like in between there we, we did like at a... one point. Yeah. So, yeah. This is episode 46. This is another mad dash to the finish in the <laughs> middle of the night. Um, well, yeah, because I had planned on writing an episode while I was on vacation. We had also planned to do an episode, like three episodes for when you were gone, but we only did two. It just happened to work out that you're back now. Yeah. And your boy. So lovingly. Is a fucking professional podcasting machine. Yeah. And I wrote this. Little ditty. Little ditty in the middle of the night. And then promptly fell asleep on the couch. Yeah, well, I feel jet lag has really caught up with me today. Mm-hmm. I feel worse today than I did yesterday. Yeah. So. Well, it's rain. It's probably going to end up being rainy and nasty again. So. That's fine. Anyway, in the event that I'm about to get a phone call to come into work, let us begin this episode. <laughs> All right. Episode 46, in case you are wondering. You can find the other 45 and a half episodes <laughs> by going to our link tree, linktr.ee slash OOPP, where you can find all our wonderful links, including social media, the major podcasting sites where you can listen. Um, you Much can, like Spotify, Apple. Apple Music. They call that iTunes. Google Podcast. <laughs> I think there's actually like a distinction though now between apple music and itunes i don't know i don't, I don't have know an, anyway I don't have an what i was thinking of was amazon music yeah. you can listen to us there you can also just google us as always you can go to www.ouroddpodpodcast.com that's our main hub if you will uh, hub. and if you like our intro and outro music well you can go on over to darrencurtismusic.com and show them some love and find your own intro and outro music for your projects <laughs> anyway and, and without tell, further ado, you can tell them our Odd Pod podcast sent you. Oh, that would be sweet. And without would, further ado, yeah, you can tell me what this episode is about. This episode is going to be, we're going to be talking about a little social club called the Bohemian Club. Yeah, because you told me I was a part of this the other day and because I didn't your, understand. <laughs> because of your owl stuff. Yeah. So... The Bohemian Club is an elite, by invitation only, social club founded in San Francisco in the year 1872 Ooh. by a group of male artists, writers, actors, lawyers, and journalists Sounds exclusive. that were interested in arts and culture. Doesn't sound too bad so far. So far. The end. Just kidding. Since <laughs> the beginning, the club has expanded to seemingly include exclusively politicians and affluent businessmen. Well, I don't like that. How it got from there to here is beyond me, but goes from like here we are. Artists. Uh... And there are still actors that are members. Uh, 
Anyway, the club is known especially and perhaps exclusively for its annual summer retreat at what is known as the Bohemian Grove, which you probably heard me mention more than one time in this apartment. Yeah. It is located in the Redwood Forest of Sonoma County, California. Okay. Apparently, the club has had a number of well-known and influential members. Some of the more notable members have included Clint Eastwood. Really? Henry Kissinger, Walter Cronkite, Richard Nixon, Ooh. Ronald Reagan, Ooh. Charles Schwab, Ambrose Bierce, Bret Hart, not the wrestler, <laughs> Mark Twain, and Jack London. I know some of those people. Yeah, I know all but two. I think. I do like four. Ronald Regan? Who is that? I'm just kidding. Regan. The Bohemian Club was founded by a group that included journalists who wrote for the San Francisco Examiner, which is ironic for reasons we'll get into later. <laughs> they chose an owl as the club's totem and gathered regularly to socialize, drink, and put on and enjoy theatrical and musical performances. Like they would perform the musical performances? Yes. And since they're an all-male club female roles would be played by men. So that's an interesting twist. Much like, like William Shakespeare. Yeah. Okay. And like... Uh, Kicking it old school. Yeah. The club inhabited temporary locations before establishing a permanent headquarters on Taylor Street in downtown San Francisco in the early 1930s. Is it still there? I'm pretty sure it's still there. You like walk up and be like, if hey. If you go down Taylor Street, if I'm not mistaken, you will see a sign with the big owl on it and like... So that's their not-so-secret headquarters for their super-secret club. They're like, stay out. And to be fair, the existence of the club is not what's the secret. Okay. It's what goes on inside that's the secret. Um, I wonder if, like, the not police department... Not the book, apartment. The Secret. <laughs> I wonder if, like, the police department can, like, come in and be like, hey, what's going on here? Maybe. I'm not sure. I mean... You're at capacity. Probably they would need, like, proper paperwork, and based on some of the... Uh, Members, it might be a little more hard to procure, but... Oh, okay. That's true. You know, you don't really need all the paperwork done when you're rich and famous. That's true. In the 20th century, the members-only retreat received a reputation for involving highly secretive and cultish rituals. See, I wanted to say that it sounded like a cult at the beginning uh -huh. of the episode, or like, you know, five minutes ago, but... I didn't, so oh, I don't know Well, why. hold on to your hat, because okay. it's about to sound a lot like a cult. It already does, but let's get into it. The most well-known ritual uh, is the cremation of care. What does that mean? It instituted in 1881. It's an opening ceremony whose purpose is to make the club members carefree from the outset of the retreat. Are they just burning bushes? Like what? That performance took place in front of the large concrete owl in the center of the camp at the Bohemian Grove. It's like a 40-foot concrete owl. And I actually found a description of the cremation of care in a document entitled The Bohemian Grove and Other Retreats on a little website you might have heard of called www.cia.gov, <laughs> written by G. William Domhoff. Right. There's a lot to unpack in what you just said. One. Yes. They're burning something to make their members carefree. It's like a ritualistically burning away their cares and ambitions. They just burn in some lavender yeah, bushes. Something. Maybe some... Uh... Depending on who you ask. Depends <laughs> on what they burn. For real. We'll like, get into that too. Okay. And then um, they have a 40-foot concrete owl. Yes. Okay. Uh, 
I would love to see a picture of that. I'll show you a video. Oh, we have video. There is video that to be found. Okay, and then um, it's not great video, but it is video. Well, it is supposed to be a secret. Um, and then the person who wrote this name is what? G. William Demhoff. That doesn't sound fake at all. Let's continue. And I got it from CIA.gov. Well, let's not glass over that. Not sus. Not sus. That at was all. the least. The least surprising thing. Yeah, the least concerning <laughs> thing of what you just said. Um. And it's not written like something I would expect to read from a CIA document, okay? See, I always picture like the CIA being like Very super serious and yeah. like... Uh, I don't know if maybe he wrote this and then the CIA just took it and put it as part of their files. It's a little longer than what I was expecting, but it's a, basically like a play-by-play -play of, of the... Burning of the carefree. Of the care, cremation of care. Cremation so, of the lavender bush. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. From henceforth, it will be a quote. From okay. the CIA website. Picture yourself comfortably seated in a beautiful open-air dining hall in the midst of 2,700 acres of giant California redwoods. So there's got a bunch of lazy boys out in the wild? Yes. Okay. Lazy well, boys. So far, I'm comfortable. <laughs> it is early evening, and the clear July air is still pleasantly warm. No, 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 no. no. It's hot. It's California. It's hot. It's California. It's hot. It's early evening in California. It's early evening outside in California. Does it get hot I in don't California? care what you guys say. It is hot. Oh, that scared me. I was like, it's work calling you in. I thought it was work calling me in. It's my phone telling me I get paid tomorrow. <laughs> um, anyway, dusk has descended. You have finished a sumptuous dinner. And you oh, are sitting pasta. quietly with your drink and your cigar, listening to nostalgic, welcoming speeches and enjoying the gentle light and the eerie shadows that are cast by the two-stemmed gaslights flickering softly at each of the several hundred outdoor banquet tables. So, I'm eating pasta and a lazy boy in the heat of July. Yes, um, in a leather lazy boy. Well, You're just I, stuck to microfiber it. Microfiber is what I would be going for. But we've just finished our third bowl of our endless pasta dish coming from Olive Garden. Obviously. And Olive Garden caters the Bohemian Grove. Numerous Nothing more sticks. Bohemian than endless soup and breadsticks or this, salad and breadsticks. This bread is sticks. my comfort dinner. <laughs> okay. You are part of an assemblage that has been meeting in this Redwood Grove 65 miles north of San Francisco for nearly 100 years. Probably different members, but I don't know. They could be vampires. <laughs> it is not just any assemblage. For you are a captain of industry, a well-known television star, a banker, a famous artist, or maybe a member of the president's cabinet. Enjoying an endless, bottomless bowl of pasta. Mushroom ravioli. Ooh. You are one of 1,500 men gathered together from all over the country for the annual encampment of the rich and the famous at the Bohemian Grove, and you are about to take part in a strange ceremony that has marked every Bohemian Grove gathering since 1880. You're about to be initiated into the encampment by the cremation of care. Out of the shadows on one of the hillsides near the dining circle, there come the low, sad sounds of a funeral dirge. <laughs> As you turn your head in <laughs> its sorry. direction, you faintly see the outlines of men dressed in pointed red hoods and red flowing robes. Some of the men are playing from the village. Some of the men are playing the funeral music. Others are carrying long torches whose flames are a spectacular sight against the darkened forest. Well, they know how to put on a show. I'll give them Maybe that. Maybe open flame in the redwoods. Not a great idea. But yeah. anyway. I mean, like, not like it matters now. As the procession approaches the dining circle, the dim figures become more distinct and attention fixes on several men not previously noticed who are carrying a large wooden box. 
Upon closer inspection, the box turns out to be an open coffin, and in that coffin is a body, a human body. Real enough to be lifelike at a glance, but only an imitation made of black muslin wrapped around a wooden skeleton. This is the body of care, symbolizing the concerns and woes that important men supposedly must bear in their daily lives. It is dull care that is to be cremated this first Saturday night of the two-week encampment of the Bohemian Grove. The cortege now trails slowly past the dining area and the men in the dining circle fall into line behind the hooded priests and pallbearers, following the body of care toward its ultimate destination. The entire parade, all white, mostly elderly, makes its way along a road leading to a picturesque little lake that is yet another of the sylvan sights the Bohemian Grove has to offer. It takes the communicants about five minutes to make their march to this new setting. Once at the lake, the priests and the body of care go off to the right in the direction of a very large altar which faces the lake. The followers, talking quietly and remarking on the once again perfect grove weather, move to the left so they can observe the ceremony from a green meadow on the other side of the lake. They will be about 50 to 100 yards from the altar, which looms skyward 30 to 40 feet and reveals itself to be in the form of a huge owl whose cement shell is mottled with primeval green mosses. While the spectators seat themselves across the lake, the priests and their entourage continue for another two or three hundred yards beyond the altar to a boat landing. There, the beer is carefully transferred onto the ferry of care, which will carry the body to the altar <laughs> later in the ceremony <laughs> of care. Everything's of care. The ferry loaded, the torches are extinguished, and the music ends. The attention of the spectators on the other side of the lake slowly drifts back to the owl shrine. It is illuminated by a gentle flame from the lamp of fellowship. The lamp of care. The lamp of fellowship, lighting the lamp of fellowship, which sits at its base. People who have seen the ceremony before nudge you to keep your eye on the large redwood next to the owl. Moments later, an offstage chorus of woodland voices, whatever that means, they begins a, to they, sing. They put a, a speaker in the redwood. Yeah, the trees begin to sing. Then a spotlight illuminates the tree you've been watching, and there emerges from it a hamadryad, a tree spirit. Oh, because I was, I, I'm glad you elaborated on that. <laughs> whose life, according to Greek mythology, is intimately bound up with the tree in which it lives. The hamadryad begins to sing, telling the supplicants that beauty and strength and peace are theirs as long as the trees of the grove are there. It sings of the temple aisles of the wood that are made for your delight and implores the Bohemians to burn away the sorrows of yesterday and to cast your grief to the fires and be strong with the holy trees and the spirit of the grove. With the end of this uplifting song, the Hamadryad returns to its tree, the chorus silences, and the light on the tree fades out. Only natural illumination from the moon and stars remains, and it is time for the high priest and his many assistants to enter the large area in front of the owl. The owl is in his leafy temple. Oh, I'm sorry. The owl is in his leafy temple, intones the high priest. Let all within the grove be reverent before him. He beseeches the spectators to be inspired and awed by their surroundings, noting that this is Bohemia's shrine. Then he invokes the motto of the club, Weaving spiders come not here, which is a line from Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream. It is supposed to warn members not to discuss business and worldly concerns, but only the arts, literature, and other pleasures within the portals of Bohemia. Mm -hmm. The priest next walks down three large steps to the edge of the lake. There he makes a flowery speech about the ripple of waters, the song of birds, the forest floor, and evening's cool kiss. 
Again, he calls on the members to forsake their usual concerns, shake off your sorrows with the city's dust and scatter to the winds the cares of life. A second and third priest then recall to memory deceased friends who, who loved the Bohemian Grove, and the high priest makes yet another effusive speech, the gist of it being that great nature is a refuge for the weary heart and a balm for breasts that have been bruised. A brief song is sung by the chorus, and suddenly the high priest proclaims, Our funeral pyre awaits the corpse of care. The corpse of care. A horn is sounded at the boat landing. Anon, the fairy of care, with its beautifully ornamented frontispiece, begins its brief passage to the foot of the shrine. Its trip is accompanied by the music of a barcarolle. A barcarolle being the song of Venetian gondoliers as they pull you through the canals of Venice. Okay, well, thanks okay, for that. Well, they're really pulling things from everywhere, aren't they? Yeah. They've got Greek mythology, Venetians. It's very got... Mediterranean. As one listens to the barcarolle, it becomes even clearer that many little extra touches have been added by the Bohemians who have lovingly developed this ritual over its 94-year history. The beer arrives at the steps of the altar. The high priest inveighs against dull care, the archenemy of beauty. He shouts, bring fire, and the torchbearers, 18 strong, enter. Then the acolytes quickly seize the coffin, lift it high above their heads, and carry it triumphantly to the pyre, to the pyre in front of the mighty owl. It seems that care is about to be consumed by flames, but not yet. Suddenly there is a great clap of thunder and a rush of wind, somehow. Magic. Peals of loud, ugly laughter come ringing down from a hill above the lake. A dead tree is illuminated in the middle of the hillside, and Care himself bellows forth with a thundering blast. Fools, 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 when will ye learn that me ye cannot slay? Year after year ye burn me in this grove, lifting your puny shouts of triumph to the stars. But when again ye turn your feet toward the marketplace, am I not waiting for you, as of old? Fools, fools, to dream ye conquer Care. The high priest is taken aback by this impressive outburst, but not completely humbled. He replies that it is not all a dream, that he and his friends know they will have to face care when their holiday is over. They are happy that the good fellowship created by the Bohemian Grove is able to banish care even for a short time. So the high priest tells care, We shall burn thee once again this night, and in the flames that eat thine effigy will read the sign, Midsummer sets us free. Dull care, however, is having none of this. He tells the high priest in no uncertain terms that priestly fires are not going to do him in. I spit upon your fire, he roars, and with that, there is a great explosion, and all the torches are immediately extinguished. The only light remaining comes from the small flame in the lamp of fellowship. Things are clearly at an impasse. Care may win out after all. There is only one thing to do. Turn to the great owl, the totem animal of Bohemia, chosen as the group symbol primarily for its mortal wisdom, and only secondarily for its discreet silence and its nightly prowling. The high priest falls to his knees and lifts his arms toward the shrine. O thou great symbol of all mortal wisdom, he cries, Owl of Bohemia, we do beseech thee, grant us thy counsel. The inspirational music of the fire finale now begins, and an aura of light glows about the owl's head. The owl is going to rise to the occasion. After a pause, the sagacious bird <laughs> finally speaks. No fire, he tells the assembled faithful, can drive out care if that fire comes from the mundane world where it is fed by the hates of men. The hates of men. The hates of men. There is only one fire that can overcome the great enemy care, and that, of course, is the, the flame, flame of which care. burns in the lamp of fellowship on the altar of Bohemia. Hell fellowship, he concludes, and thou, dull care, be gone. With that, 
Care is on its way out, on his way out. The light dies from the dead tree. The high priest leaps to his feet and bounds up the steps, snatches a burned out torch from one of the bearers, and relights it from the flame of the lamp of fellowship. Just as quickly he ignites, ignites the funeral pyre and triumphantly hurls the torch into the blaze. The orchestral music in the background intensifies as the flames leap higher and higher. The chorus sings loudly about dull care, archenemy of beauty, calling on the winds to make merry with his dust. Hell fellowship, they sing, echoing the owl. Be gone, dull care. Midsummer sets us free. The wailing voice of care gives its last gasps. The music even louder, and fireworks light the sky and fill the grove with the reverberations of great explosions. The band, appropriately enough, strikes up. There will be a hot time in the old town tonight. Care has been banished, but only with a cast of 250 elders, priests, torchbearers, shore patrols, fire tenders, production managers, and woodland voices. As the climax approaches. Wait, we're not at the climax yet? No. Oh my goodness. Some 50 minutes after the march began. 50 minutes? The quiet onlookers on the other side of the lake begin to come alive. After all, it is a night for rejoicing. They are thoroughly bloated from their endless bottomless Yes, they've been eating breadsticks this whole time. The men begin to shout, to sing, to hug each other and dance around. They have been freed by their priest and their owl for some good old-fashioned hell-raising. They couldn't be happier if they were... Back in college, and their fraternity had won an intramural football championship. Oh, I'm sorry, specific. they couldn't be happier if they were back in college, and their fraternity had won an intramural football championship. That's the correct intonation. Still, uh, very specific. Very specific. Now the ceremony is over. The revelers initiated into the carefree attitude of the Bohemian Grove break up into small groups as they return to the camps that crowd next to each other in the central area of the grove. It will be a night of storytelling and drinking for the men of Bohemia as they sit about their campfires or wander from camp to camp renewing old friendships and making new ones. They will be far away from their responsibilities as the decision makers and opinion molders of corporate America. That's a lot longer than yeah. I yeah. remembered it being. Oh my goodness. Sorry about that. Thanks for sticking through it. Oh my goodness. And that's that's the cremation of care. That was very elaborate and very... Um... I, I don't have any other words. It's just like, wow. I'm not upset. I'm glad you said that there was like production management because like it sounds like a whole production. It sounds like a lot. Do you feel like somebody maybe like once or twice has accidentally wandered in on this and is like, what the fuck? They do a pretty good job from what I understand of keeping people out. Oh, really? Um, but there are people who try to sneak in intentionally and have succeeded. Oh. This is where um, we got these weird videos from. Yes. Ooh. One of them, not my favorite source, but we'll get into that. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening to that very long. I just felt like we really needed to paint a picture of the cremation of care, an accurate picture, to really see what they were about. I really wanted to interrupt you, or I really wanted to interrupt you so many times, but I refrain because I feel like you needed to say it as a whole. Yeah. Well, go ahead, let it out now. Oh what were you going to say? Was it? Uh, it's a skeleton made of wood mm-hmm. in a coffin Yes, that they're putting on a prior pyre, pyre in front of the 40-foot owl statue. Yes, the 40-foot owl. I feel like they could put this on the the lake that they're talking about, get the Vikings involved. You know? Really, just really pull from all over the place. They're doing it anyway. I'm saying. Like they might as well. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's the Fellowship of Flame. The Ring. <laughs> Is it the Fellowship of the Flame? Uh, the Lamp of Fellowship. The Lamp of Fellowship. The Flame of Care. Something. And the Funeral Pyre of 
Now, bottomless pasta bowls. The funeral pyre of bottomless pasta bowls. Yes, is all. It's actually this club was founded by the creator of Olive Garden. I'm sorry. No, he was. It was. <laughs> he was one of the original members. That's why their dinner has endless pasta and breadsticks. I believe it. Just they kidding. They all leave their tummy ache. But it would make sense. They're like, what can we do to make Olive Garden more successful? I know. We'll just make the food shittier. <laughs> anyway, over the past century and some change, the Bohemian Club has grown to a membership of approximately 2,500. This membership includes several former United States presidents as well as other high-ranking politicians and military officials. Does it cost money to join? It's got well, to, obviously right? obviously it has to, right? Like Scientology requires payment. This yes. has to require payment because where are they coming up? I mean, like just the fact they that they're going to pay all, their production management. Just the fact that they're all rich diplomats and stuff. I have to imagine that there are some pretty high membership fees. I like to think that like it's like a um, like a Mardi Gras club or whatever they're called. True. What are they Who's called? The, Troop. Uh, crew. Crew. There we go. With a uh, K. Moder- like Scientology, they wear like what the red string on their wrist. Uh, I've never heard that. Wow. Where am I thinking that of? I don't know. I don't know. I like to think for these guys, they wear an ankle bracelet because they're so carefree. Yeah, they're carefree. They wear an ankle bracelet and probably a toe ring, if I had to guess, because those aren't Ooh. really a thing anymore, are they? Toe rings, yes. <laughs> but like, how many of you listening a, used to wear toe rings? On like a on on like a weird place to wear a toe ring, like the middle toe. Yeah, like the big toe. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it's just, just a big ass toe ring. Yeah. <laughs> um, the location for the club's retreat stretches for about twenty seven hundred acres. And it's basically inaccessible to non-members. This inaccessibility has further amped up the mystery surrounding the events and their participants. They're just trying to be so exclusive. And trying, not like, it's know. like they're trying. They want people to think they're the Illuminati, they're right? They're trying too hard now. They've okay. got the care of... They burn the care, so they literally don't give a shit. <laughs> this is our fire of lack of fucks. Yeah, we, we invoke the fire of lack of fucks. All fucks have been given to the flame. <laughs> uh, apparently, the 16-day encampment, as it is called, involves involves concerts, theater, informal lectures called lakeside talks, parties, and casual networking and government policy review, all taking place out of the public eye. I can imagine the poster for this that they send out, like in an email. Yeah, it's like featuring Kelly Clarkson. Nope, she's a woman. Featuring. Featuring. Ryan Seacrest. (laughs) Ryan Seacrest sings Kelly Clarkson. (laughs) Um, Ryan Seacrest actually hosts. I would like, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Or it's, no, it's, um, it's, what's his name? Uh, From Community. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because he hosts everything, right? Fuck. Why can't I remember his name? Oh, Joel McHale. Yes. Hosted by Joel McHale. (laughs) Um. I would like to point out that government policy review seems like a little bit of a contradiction to the cremation of care. We're not supposed to be talking care. about that. But in the 21st century, the Bohemian Club has maintained its reputation for being highly exclusive. It has a predominantly Caucasian membership, surprising no, no one, one <laughs> which is composed of the richest and often most politically conservative men in the United States. Sounds like a place I don't want to go Occasionally, journalists have infiltrated the confines of the encampment and have succeeded in exposing details about the club's activities, Ooh. members, and famous guests. 
Also, activists regularly staged numerous protests outside the Bohemian Grove, pointing to economic inequality and other social justice issues. The club insists that the retreat, which is situated on the south bank of the Russian River just outside the small town of Monterio, is simply a means for its 2,500 rich and powerful members to blow off the vast quantities of steam that come with the territory of being wealthy and influential, because of course they do. Why wouldn't they say the that? The stress of being an old white male in corporate America. But so others hard. aren't so certain because, of course, they aren't. Right? They're like, mm -hmm. we're just blowing off steam. Are you? Are you really blowing like off steam? It's like their job to say we're just, no big deal, we're just blowing off steam, and it's everyone else's job to be suspicious. Are we not suspicious? Keep being suspicious. Because I'm suspicious. The gathering of so many, well. You've gathered a whole bunch of old white men, mostly old white men. While I don't think it's like, I wouldn't go so far as saying it's like a conspiracy to control the world. I don't, I'm not saying I that. I think it's that the members weird. already play a pretty big part of controlling the world. And we're going to talk about some things that were discussed and decided on in the Bohemian Grove that 100% impacted the world in a huge fucking way. It's just weird when a large group of like seemingly old white men in power want to meet in a secret society with an hour long theatrical thing. Where did you wash yeah. wear? No big deal. Cares. We're just like cremating care, and an, an extremely elaborate, yeah, uh, big time theatrical theatrical production of burning your cares away. Yeah. Anyway, the gathering of so many powerful man type individuals in secret has led some critics to believe that more is going on here than a simple two week circle jerk in the woods. <laughs> Some theorists claim that important public policy decisions are being decided here in secret. Others point to the gathering's bizarre opening ceremony in which a mock human sacrifice occurs as evidence of occult activity. Still others say that the two-week retreat is just a good opportunity for these rich and powerful reptoids to change back into their original form, a shape-shifting reptilian species that came from another planet thousands of years ago, or from within the core of the earth itself, depending on which brand of shape-shifting reptile you subscribe to. Lizards. Extraterrestrial or subterranean? Subterranean. But while the beliefs of these various conspiracy-minded individuals differ wildly, they have one thing in common. They all seem to agree that the old white dudes who meet here deep in the woods and shrouded in mystery are involved in a vast and far-reaching conspiracy that seeks only world domination. They're like the Illuminati light but i mean it seems like most conspiracies hint at them already controlling things from the shadows right they're like illuminati anonymous are owl we, grove are we putting a, anonymous like directly beneath the illuminati yeah okay they do we should do an episode on the anonymous i know which right? would be weird because like who the fuck are they i know they're, they're anonymous. so anonymous but like illuminati supposedly like controlling everything you mm. got a anonymous putting out like hey you better like fix this because we're about to fuck you they up they have actually like done some crazy shit too man they do they practice what they preach every now and then i'll watch like the 40 minute videos that they put out on youtube and i'm just like Wah. right anyway many mar many many more no That's okay anonymous mary moore a sonoma county activist and founder of the bohemian grove action network an organization that has organized, redundant, demonstrations <laughs> outside the Grove since 1980 is probably one of the more rationally minded critics of the Bohemian Grove. It's sad that they have to call him the more rationally minded. 
Well, just stand by. You'll get. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, the network's website at www.sonomacountyfreepress.com contains a complete listing of all the public policy speeches that have ever been given by major figures over the years, including Dick Cheney's 1991 speech, Defense Problems of the 21st Century. Moore is a staunch leftist, is adamant that the annual retreat has to do with more than just fun and games. Sounds like it. Quote, when powerful people work together, they become even more powerful, she states on the website. The Grove membership is wealthy and becoming more so, while the middle class is steadily becoming poorer. The close-knit group determines whether prices rise or fall by their control of the banking system, money supply, and markets, and they make money whichever way markets fluctuate. Mm-hmm. Ironically... Moore's claims ver- merge well into a nice, complete picture with the ideals of those from a fear-mongering piece of shit from the complete opposite end of the <laughs> political spectrum. He is a Texas-based talk sh- radio host that we all know and love, question mark? Love. Mr. Alex Jones. This Alex Jones. Yes. Turning the frogs gay, Alex Jones. Yeah, that, that's the same guy. Jones, who spearheaded the volunteer effort to rebuild the Branch Davidian compound in Waco, is an insane person and staunch critic of black helicopters, the U.S. government, and the New World Order, and not the totally awesome New World Order of the 1990s WCW, but the encroaching, tyrannical, one-world government style of New World Order. I feel like once you enter Alex Jones with anything, you lose all credibility. Yes. Alex Jones is definitely all over the place with who he is for and against, but we're not going to get into Alex Jones specifically, just what he feels about the Grove, okay? Okay. And actually, I think one of the first times I ever heard about the Bohemian Grove was from an Alex Jones video, Um, because I had a friend when I was in high school that was obsessed with Alex Jones. Really? Yes. Where are they now? Uh, I'm not, I'm assuming they're alive, I don't know. Um, (laughs) This is also a friend that I convinced one time that I was a reptoid. Like I was a shape-shifting reptile. And I sent him a picture I found on the internet of like a half-transformed reptile person and oh told him it was me. Goodness. And they believed me. They also did a lot of drugs. Um, <laughs> in fact, some years ago, Jones and a British documentary filmmaker crashed the Bohemian Grove. Oh. He snuck in with a video camera and filmed the infamous and thoroughly covered in the early part of this podcast, Cremation of Care, ceremony. That is uh, wild to think about. Yes. I'm fairly certain I've seen this video at some point, and it is not well recorded. <laughs> the video, Dark Secrets of the Bohemian Grove, can apparently be purchased through Jones's website, www.infowars.com. I would recommend that you don't waste your money and just watch it on YouTube like a good little not-funding-Alex-Jones type person. See, I was going to say, if that's the only place you can find it, I really want it to see it. I'm fair. I'm almost positive you can find it on YouTube. And I if, bet it's on YouTube. Yeah, somewhere we can find it. The video depicts a group of hooded figures gathered around a 40-foot-tall stone statue of an owl surrounded by water. A small boat rows up to the hooded men and deposits a package which is meant to represent a human child. The effigy is placed on an altar before the giant concrete owl and set on fire. This is meant to symbolize the relief of all cares and worries for the next two weeks as we... Thoroughly discussed. But they're also wearing like what? Red hoods? Yeah. Red pointed hoods. Feels very like the village to me. Yeah. 
On his website, Jones notes, This is like something out of a Hollywood movie, where teenagers are out camping in the wilderness and come over a hill and witness some devil cult in black and red garb sacrificing some poor soul on a bloody altar. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I imagine he said that with a lot more volume and sweating. than <laughs> He's very red in the yeah, face. Yeah, he's very red. I, I'm picturing him now. Jones compares the ritual to the ancient Canite worship of Moloch, who he claims is represented by an owl. While humans were supposedly sacrificed to an entity called Molech or Moloch in the Old Testament times, Jesus. I've only seen them represented by a bull or a bull-headed humanoid like a minotaur. I've never seen Moloch represented as an owl. Just That's You're just me. You're familiar with him? Yes. You know, um, in Pokemon, the little owl crow looking thing. Mm -hmm. What's his name? I don't Murkrow. know. Murkrow. He doesn't look like an owl. Kind of. Maybe. And the fact that he's bird type. His name's Molek Crow. But he's like Murkrow. Just kidding. Molek. Yeah. It's all related. I think you're on to something. Sorry, I'm very tired. I think you're on to something. <laughs> right, make it an episode. Uh, Pokemon Go conspiracies. <laughs> Whether it was an effigy or real, we do not know, Jones says. After watching the tape and listening to a nonstop playlist of Conspiracy Theory Radio... Former Marine Richard McCaslin of Austin, Texas, decided to also break into the grove in order to prevent any more children from being sacrificed. And I, let me just go right back. I didn't edit myself. I said former Marine. Marines don't really like that. So I'm just going to go ahead and say former active duty member of the Marine Corps, Richard McCaslin of Austin, Texas. Why don't they like that? Because once you're a Marine, you're always a Marine. Okay. Uh, we're not making fun. No, we're not. <laughs> just seems a little bit like nitpicky, but I, I, I was never in active service, so like, I don't know. So former active duty member of the Marine Corps, Richard McCaslin of Austin, Texas, decided to Thank also you for your service, decided to also break into the grove in order to prevent any more children from being sacrificed. The, the actual children are right. They're not being sacrificed, right? Allegedly, that we know of. Oh my God, they actually are sacrificing children. That we know of. We got conservatives in the woods sacrificing children. We got Democrats liberal, eating babies. We got liberals in Washington eating babies. Oh, the are children, the children safe anymore? Children are just not safe. Who is not hurting the children? Anyway, um, going by the moniker the Phantom Patriot. Oh my goodness. McCaslin broke in at night and managed to set... Ooh, excuse me. Got all excited there, didn't oh, you? Oh no, sorry. Okay, I just want to make sure I hadn't had you muted this whole time. <laughs> uh, going by the moniker The Phantom Patriot, which I said already, McCaslin broke in at night and managed to set fire to one of the buildings on the premises before being arrested. And he it burned down to, a to the ground because nobody could get into the perimeter. Ha <laughs> Plot twist. He was then sentenced to 11 years in prison. Well, I mean, it is arson. Does arson usually carry such a huge sentence? Excuse me. I think so. Because, like, there are people who have done way worse and gotten way less. There's people who's done a lot less and gotten a lot more. Yeah, that's true. Anyway. That's a podcast for another day. Anyway, don't fuck with reptoids and their child sacrifices, am I right? Oh, my God. Next if, thing you know, Beyonce is going to be sacrificing children. Quote, I'm pretty sure there are people who think Beyonce is part of the Illuminati. They also think she's a lizard. Because so. they named their child Blue Ivy, which is some kind of Satanist thing, apparently, according to crazy people. Anyway, 
Quote, if my neighbor was worshiping a 40-foot stone owl and burned children on fire, I wouldn't let that neighbor walk my dog or babysit my children, McCaslin said in a newspaper article. Why do you got to bring the dog walkers into this? Instead, these people are babysitting the big red button. This is some sick stuff. The big red button. The people babysitting the big red button are child-sacrificing owl worshipers. This is his deal. Okay. In case you were wondering... I am wondering. And you are wondering. It gets worse. Okay. According to a gentleman and British conspiracy theorist by the name of David Icky, (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's how you say his name. Icky. The members of the Bohemian Club are actually a reptilian species from another planet who came to Earth thousands of years ago and began to secretly take over the planet. Oh, we love a good Yes, I used planet twice in that sentence. Hiding their true identities by using their shape-shifting abilities. Ooh, tell me more. By combining this idea with the more well-known theory that the Illuminati has been controlling world events since at least the 18th century, Icky claims that both candidates from the 2000 U.S. presidential election, Al Gore and George W. Bush, belong to the Illuminati reptilian bloodline. And I mean, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) It makes sense. Yeah, sure. It I ma- guess. I guess it makes sense about as much as anyone belonging to a, you know, thousand-year-old conspiracy out. of reptilian shapeshifters makes Hear sense. Hear me out. Okay. George W. H. Bush. George W. Bush. H. W.'s his dad. I know. Okay. That's who I'm talking okay. about. <laughs> All right. Was president. Yes. His son is lineage. Hmm. Also president. Also became president. Okay. Run in there. I mean, like, we could get into the the whole skull and bones thing as well. We could do an episode on them. It's like, have you heard of the skull and bones? No. It's like a fraternity that a lot of people who are like world leaders belong to. In like some Ivy League college, whatever college George Bush and his dad went to. What? And they have like weird initiation rituals and they have to like sleep in a coffin with a bone with bones or something. It's weird. Oh my god! You never heard of this? No. Maybe I I forget sometimes that like you're the ghost person and I'm the conspiracy person. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll talk about them. Okay. But yeah. No, that's that's wild. Also, I, just... I mean, it's not. People voted for Bush, H. W. Bush, and then he didn't win a second election. So they're probably just stoked when his son was also up. It's like. They look the same. They sound the same. They're basically the same person. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, they're from the same lineage. Right. But you know who didn't get president? Jeb. Jeb. <laughs> old Jeb <laughs> Not Bush. Not old Jeb Bush. Jeb, you can have Florida, buddy. <laughs> um, anyway. He's still got time. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> He's not dead yet. <laughs> As a former journalist. Old Jeb. Icky has written several books and samples of his material can be found at www.davidicky.com. Jeb 2024. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to be, what's his name? Um, What's JFK Jr.? Remember, he's coming back. Oh. You knew about that, right? No. The QAnon people think JFK Jr. is still alive and he's going to reemerge and run either for president or as a running mate need- of a former president. In the 2024 election. I need QAnon to just Q and fuck off. And I saw a video of the guy who they think is JFK Jr. And it is not him. He's like short and ugly. And we all know 
The we JFK all know the JFK lineage is made up of handsome motherfuckers. JFK Jr. was tall and handsome. I don't think he's going to come back from the dead as a short, frumpy fucking weirdo. You're saying like, we're not bouncing a nickel off that ass. Right. Unless it was like some weird necromancy and he came back all weird like, eh, it's me, JFK Jr. <laughs> That's a whole other... Uh... <laughs> also, I don't remember him being overly conservative, but also, I don't know, we're not a political podcast, so if I'm wrong, tell me. I we'll don't. Ta- we'll talk about that later. <laughs> what was JFK Jr.'s political re- leanings? Just I, someone I, tell me. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Comment. Send me an email. Find me on Facebook. Quick. <laughs> um. Anyway... As a former journalist, as I mentioned, Icky has written several books. I told you about his website. He advises those who find these ideas hard to swallow to watch movies like They Live, The Arrival, and the television series V, a show literally about reptiles from space who take over Earth, which, quote, tells the story of what is really going on. I mean, why wouldn't the truth be leaked not so discreetly on national television, you know? It's like, that'll show the reptiles. We'll not so secretly make a TV show about exactly what they're doing. They'll never catch on that we're trying to The conspiracy theorists will never know. They're just sitting at home watching it. They're like, it's funny because it's true. (laughs) I don't know why reptiles sound like that. Hey, come look at this show, honey. It's about us. So what's really going on in the Bohemian Grove? Do we want to know? Outsiders will almost definitely never know for sure. While Mary Moore is quick to debunk conspiracy theorists like Jones and Icky, it is worth mentioning that the Bohemian Grove is where scientists first conceived of the Manhattan Project in 1942. Oh. And Richard Nixon talked Ronald Reagan out of running for president in 1968. So it seems that important decisions that affect all of us are actually made at the Grove. I thought we were supposed to not be talking about those things. At the end of the day... Everyone seems to agree that a group of rich dudes are conspiring to control the world. Now, whether they're just your average, everyday corrupt politicians and business leaders, a cult of bloodthirsty baby murderers, or a reptilian species from another planet, I guess the end result is kind of the same either way. <laughs> this is wild. Yeah. So, yeah, that's all, that's all I got. No, that's great. So welcome to the Bohemian Grove. I really should do more conspiracy theory episodes. I love conspiracy theory episodes. I have a whole book somewhere of nothing but conspiracy theories. And I have a sneaking suspicion. I have a theory that it's in fucking Alabama in a box somewhere (laughs) with all the other books I have no business owning because I got no fucking place for them. Obviously, they're not here. Anyway. (laughs) You sound mad. I want my books and I want a place to put them all. We're working on it. Anyway, that's all I got. Thanks for listening to my episode about the Bohemian Grove. I loved it. I I'm, love conspiracy theories. I'm glad I had a chance to talk about them. Like, almost a full fucking, like, what? A solid 45 minutes. 19 years after hearing about them for the first time. You've known about this for 19 years? Yes. Well, wait. I'm, my math's probably wrong, but it's been over 15 years. <laughs> Hold on. You say words. Oh, I can say words now. Thank you so much for listening. We've had so much fun putting these episodes out. Yeah, 19 years. My math was right. Oh, nice. Anyway, we do have a lot of fun, and I'm glad we had a chance to put this episode out. It's probably a little, it's a little shorter than That's you know, okay. normal, but actually, maybe not. It's like a low average. It's on the lower side of normal. Yeah. But like... Things should be happening soon. We can like 
work on the quality of the podcast. Really get a, get a permanent spot set up. Yeah. Yeah, dude. We're doing things. We're things making, are happening. We're making moves over here. We're making money moves. And by <laughs> that, I mean we're making moves that cost a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> that are going to put us in debt. <laughs> yes, but that's okay. But that's, There's no one I'd rather debt. be in debt with. Aw, you're so sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's good debt. Anyway, um, thanks for listening. And that's all I have. I don't know if you have anything to add. Any questions, concerns? Uh, no. My main concern is just for the children. Yeah, can we stop eating children? And sacrificing them to owl gods? Yeah, like, that's not cool, bro. Also, can you know who you're sacrificing people to? Because as I mentioned, Moloch is not a fucking owl. He's a bull. Owl, bull, potato, potato. Yeah, it's the same. Owls are the bulls of the air. That's what they say. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, as always... We are, are the, the Boneses, Boneses, and we are out. out. Thanks for listening. <laughs>